What's up, everyone, and welcome to the show. Before we get this episode started, I want to talk to you guys about Ready Nutrition. Ready Nutrition is for athletes who love to outwork the odds. They are a sports nutrition brand that not only has great products, but more importantly, has a great message, and that is why I am super grateful to be working with them as a brand ambassador. Anyone that knows me knows that I am very particular about what I put into my body. I want minimal ingredients, no sugar, all natural and high protein foods that help fuel my workouts and my day, and Ready Nutrition is exactly that. They have a full lineup of supplements like protein powder, protein bars, protein puffs, and protein water. The Ready Protein Water is one of the most unique items I've ever seen. There is no sugar, 1 gram of carbs, 0 grams of fat, and 15 grams of protein per bottle. They are the perfect pre or post workout drink or if you just need a snack with extra protein. Oh, and they taste amazing. I want to work with brands who share the same values as me, and Ready Nutrition does exactly that. Hard work conquers all, and it's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. I have a special offer for all my listeners. If you go to readyismade.com and use my referral code, ANTHONYP20, you can save 20% off your first order. Then, once you love the product as much as I do, you can go back to readyismade.com and order more while using my code in the referral box when you get to checkout. This will help support me and also help Ready Nutrition know who sent you. I wouldn't recommend a product if I didn't fully believe in it, so head to readyismade.com and try it out today. That's readyismade.com, R-E-A-D-Y-I-S-M-A-D-E. Dot com and use my referral code Anthony P twenty A N T H O N Y P twenty to save twenty percent off your first order and then when you go back enter my code again in the referral box and that shows that you support me and it also shows that you support Ready Nutrition. I appreciate it. Um, I think you guys are gonna love the products just as much as I do. I definitely would give it a try, especially the protein water. It's one of the one of the best products I've ever used, and, and I've used a lot over the course of my life. I appreciate you guys. Let's dive into the episode. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have a very special guest today. I have Coach Greg White. Coach, first and foremost, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, – Hop on here and talk to me. I really, really appreciate it. You know, I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time out. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, so always a lot for, of fun to get together and talk so basketball. For, so, so for anyone um, that really isn't familiar with you in terms of your background and kind of what you're doing now and stuff, um, just kind of fill everyone in. You know, you can keep it short um, on, you know, what you're doing now, kind of your coaching experience and your background and, and just kind of everything like that to, to get them caught up and to kind of get a feel for who you are. Okay, so uh, I'm starting my 18th uh, season tomorrow um, as a high school basketball coach in, in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I've been a high school coach at the sm- one of the smaller schools in the state. Now I'm at one of the larger schools, so I've seen both ends of that spectrum. I've uh, been in public, been in private. I've coached some youth teams uh, that my son's played on from second grade on up. I've coached AAU and club, so I've kind of had a nice, um, nice view of the basketball world. And, uh, you know, lately I'll kind of dive into what, what's kind of changed my, uh, my outlook and, and what some of my plans are and hopefully some of the future looks 
looks like for me um, through the game of basketball. But right now, you know, it's uh, it's exciting times. November teams are playing on TV, so when you're not playing, you can start getting that kind of itch to get out and play. And we'll have our last practice before our first game tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. So kind of, I, I like how you, you know, you're kind of, like you said, you have experience at different levels, and, and I think that's important in terms of, you know, being kind of like a well-rounded coach because you know what it's like coaching little kids and then high school kids and, and things like that. So, you know, who have been some of your influences, I guess we could call them, in, in the coaching world? I know there's guys that I look up to, and I'm sure you have a tons of guys that have, you know, either helped you or even if you've looked up to from afar – so who are some of those guys in your uh, in your life? So I'll start probably, uh, I guess, if you had to find a, a Mount Rushmore, um, yep. those four people. Uh, the first one would be uh, my aunt, uh, Sherry White. She's a uh, Hall of Fame as a player and a coach here in Arkansas. Um, she gave my first coaching job. She let me hand, teach the ball handling session at a basketball camp once when I was in seventh grade. So I kind of fell in love with it then. Um uh, my my dad passed away when I was five. My mom never remarried, and so I kind of was the uh, the surrogate kid with my aunt, uncle, and always kind of hanging around with her in the summer at the gym. And so that was my first touch and taste of coaching. And uh, then my my coach uh, Lance Taylor, he was our coach from seventh grade to tenth grade, and really kind of poured a lot of time into me. I mean, he's he's still one of the first people I call on Father's Day uh, or text, and and. Um, you know, just his his role model and influence on me. Uh, and then lately, you know, my last two I've only known for about seven years now, and that would be Don Showalter and uh, and Tate's Lock. And uh, that came through a relationship at Snow Valley Basketball School and really just um, learning to teach the game of basketball. I think there's so many people that coach. Um, you know, there's the quote out that it's the most overcoached and undertaught game. And when I got, when I finally, you know, was able to meet and hook up with those guys and and for whatever reason, I've, I've had a great relationship with show and with Tate's that they really poured into me. And I've really like enjoyed learning to teach basketball. And uh, and th that's the fun part. So that would be my four main you know, influences, all different levels, all different relationships and connections. But the thing about all four that connects them is they're great people. And the second thing about that is they don't big time anyone. Um, all four are in positions now that they wouldn't have to take a, a text message or a call you know, from a guy like from, from Greg White, but they do and they treat everyone. Um, I've literally, I've seen coach show Walter be in a conversation with me and, and then five minutes later being a conversation with Jay Wright, you know, and like, mm -hmm. and treat me the same way he was treating Jay. And that, that's something that was something that stuck out to me is, you know, I'll get an email every once in a while from a coach. that's you know, Hey, I'm working with my junior high team. Can you help me? And I want to treat them just like I would if, Brad Stevens or Buzz Williams or one of those guys called. So, so that would be my four main uh, people that have impact, impact or impacted me. Um, another one is Mike Neighbors. Um, you know, he's Mike's one of the smartest guys in the game, and uh, he's right here at the University of Arkansas coaching women. So, I've really I'm fortunate to call him a friend. I'm really fortunate to call him a mentor also. And so we spend time talking the game and just he's so innovative. Like the things he thinks about and makes me think about have, have really helped my program. And so. I would be my, I guess that'd be my top five right there. If you want to go, if my four to five, you know, those are, five, that'd be the five that really have kind of shaped who I am as a coach. And, you know, there's other guys out there, um, coach Boone, Jim Boone, at Fort Smith. Um, he's all, he's been very impactful on me and 
really, honestly, I mean, anyone I talk to, I try to take something from, um, even though, even if it's something I don't really want to do with my program, I still learn from it because eventually one day I'm going to have to face it. And so that's, that's the thing I've really learned lately is just try to learn everything and, um, you know, be a learn it all, not, not a know it all. And just that way you can always have a background and, and go back and find things. So yeah, that's no, a little bit about it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, and I, I did, I'm happy you brought up the Snow Valley basketball camp. Um, I, I've obviously, I never been be, um, but I've heard very, very great things about that. And I, I kind of want you to talk about that. I mean, just a little bit in terms of, you know, what it's like, because from what I've heard, you know, all the names you, you know, you listed, like, you know, Coach Showalter and Jim Boone and Coach Neighbors, all those guys, I'm familiar with them as well. And I love everything they do. And I'm a big fan of, of Coach Showalter and, and the different things he does with that camp. So if you if you wouldn't mind, just kind of talk about that a little bit in terms of what makes that camp so great. It's um, Jacob Brindle's a coach from Iowa, and Jacob has the best quote um, ever about Snow Valley. And so I've, I've got a quote. I have to give him credit for it. I wish it was mine, but it's a basketball rebirth for coaches. And, and what that means is regardless of the type of year you had, when you go to Waverly, Iowa, for a week and you stay in a dorm room and you you're on the court 14 hours and it's coaches that just love basketball and it's players that really want to get into it and learn. You remember why you're a coach, um, whether you had parent problems, administrative problems, won a state championship, lost every game. It doesn't matter that week. And there's so much healing that goes on that week. I've seen coaches that have lost their job that come because of the, the fraternity and relationship. And, you know, they walk in and you can see the weight of the world on their shoulder and they leave, you know, with being more positive. And it's a, it's an experience like nothing else. Um, it's my favorite week of basketball. Um, I'm fortunate my sons get to go. My oldest son, Hayden, went through as a camper and he just got hired last year to be a, a camp coach. Uh, my younger son, Evan, will this will be his last summer to go. So it's a, you know, it's a family thing for us. You know, and I, I try not to use that word a lot with basketball. I know people, you know, oh, teams are families. Family's a special thing, um, you know, and I never want I never want to take that word and take it for granted and just throw it around. And so, but with these guys, it really has become family. Um, you know, I've been through life changes there. I've been through job changes while at camp. Um, and so it's a, it's a special place. Dave Slawball is one of the directors, and Dave says it best, and just like I feel like I am. You know, the, the camp is owned by Don Showalter and, and others, but anyone that works at myself included, we talk about it like it's ours and we treat it like it's ours and we never want to let that place down. You know, um, a lot of people tell you what, what's the best thing they can say about you as a coach. And, you know, and I had a guy tell me once, so I want, I want him to say, you know, Greg White state champion or Greg White, you know, this and all of um, for me, it's, I'm a snow Valley guy. When someone refers to me as a snow Valley guy, that's the biggest honor and, you know, badge I can have in my career is uh, I'm a Snow Valley guy. And so that, that goes a lot, long way. And, you know, I started out in the sixties in California um, and the names of coaches that have worked in it is just unreal and it's grown. And um, coach Joe Walter and, and his good friend, Jerry Slykus, uh, God rest his soul. He, they brought it back to Iowa and, you know, when, um, and him and Jerry ran it for years, Jerry was tragically killed um, him and his wife, Jane, and, uh, you know, it put a ripple through our family. But we knew, uh, to me, I feel like the camps have almost been a little stronger because now it's not only are we carrying on the Snow Valley name, but, you know, you don't you want to go in and, and do things like Jerry Slykus. And um, I, I'm sorry, I get a little emotional talking about Jerry because he's 
people that know him and know that smile know that it's a it's a special place to be and, and he was one of the reasons that it was special and and if it tells you what how people feel about him he's still listed as an owner you know and he's passed away a few years ago and so it's uh he's still there with us in spirit and we all try to go out and work as hard as we can for jerry and, and for show obviously but it's uh I, w- I tell coaches if you can make it you need to go and work a week um that's not for everybody because it is hard you know it's long days but if you can send a player there just you know my i'm so thankful my sons have gone on and uh it's a uh, it's what basketball really means to me. I mean, that would that would sum up my basketball. Is if I could pick basketball for everyone to deal with, it would be what Snow Valley is. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you're one of the many people that I've heard you know that from in terms of how great it is as as far as like developing those relationships, and and I think that's huge in terms of of basketball because it's it's a lot bigger than that. And I've met, I'm, I mean, I'm young, and I've met some really really great people through basketball and relationships that I would have never had if not for basketball. So I think that's that's huge, and I appreciate you sharing that because that I, I think that's going to give a lot of people that listen to this a better kind of like an insight view of what it's really like because people see the drills and the players, the development, but there, it's obviously so much more you know, to, to the coaches that work it and to the people that are there. So I do, I appreciate you sharing that. But something I wanted to talk to you about that was you know kind of changing gears a little bit, something that's been on my mind, I, I don't know, does are, does Arkansas, do you guys have a shot clock in high school basketball? We do not. Um, we're, we're pushing for it. Um, our state association has allowed us to play with them in non-conference tournaments, exhibition games. Every coach I've talked to loves it. It's, um, you know, what the hard part is this, when you, as long as the National Federation is against it or isn't, doesn't have it installed, any state that is for it forfeits their right to be on the rules committee. And so that that's kind of one of the things that I've heard from states of, in Indiana and Kentucky and Arkansas is, you know, they, they enjoy being a part of the federation and, and give me wrong. It does some great things, but it's beyond time for, for a shot clock in high school basketball. And, you know, the argument is, well, it would only benefit the 3% that go on to play in college. And, you know, and I look at that and I'm like, you know, you're probably right, but, not a hundred percent of your student body goes to college either. Should we not, should we teach differently? You know, should we, I mean, but that's the thing for me is it's, it's so needed. It would clean up the game. It's only going to come into play at the end of a game when a team has a six point lead with two minutes and they decide to stall. And now you've got hard fouls. You know, you've got things that don't have to happen that are happening. And so that's, that's the thing for me is I, I think it would change our game. Not and our game isn't broke but it would really change the excitement level um, and, and be fun for the players. And, and if we're in the kid business, I think that should be the number one thing. I don't think you should ask, you know, administrators or, you know, what's, let's not look at the cost. Let's, let's put a player survey out. If you ask high school players, would you like a shot clock? And I think it would almost be a resounding. Yes, we want one. Then, I mean, if we're in the kid business and we're trying to, you know, and teaching kids to play the game and doing what's best for kids and let's do it. I mean, we find, we always find money for other things that seem to go away in a couple of years, whatever the new buzzword is in education. You know, we, we all dive into it for two years and that book sits on your shelf and never gets opened again because there's a new fad. And so that's, I feel we've got to really do what's best for the kids. And I think a shot clock is in their best interest. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. And I'm happy you brought up the fact of the stalling thing, because I'll never forget. I was at a, uh, a district championship game a year ago, girls game. And, it was a team that notoriously played like a 2-3 zone, and they were a lot better than the team they were playing. 
And I kid you not, <laughs> jump ball went up. That the, the team that played the zone got the ball. They scored two nothing. Then the team dribbled up and they held the ball at half court. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, li- like literally. And and I and I'm not being dramatic when I say they held the ball the entire second uh, first quarter. Sure. At the, at the and, end and of the first quarter, it was two to zero, and that coach was happy because he thought, hey, it could be a lot worse. You know, we're not getting blown out. But like. As a fan, like it's a champion, it's a district championship game. It's not like it's a random game on a Tuesday night. I mean, it's a big game, and and there's you know the gym was packed and people were you know excited to watch the game. And the, I never the point guard stood there with the ball at the top of the key, and and, and you know the coach playing the zone said stay in the zone, don't come out, and they stood there for eight minutes, and and I w- I was watching it and I couldn't believe it was happening, and that, and that ever since that game. I've been like, man, we need a shot clock because that, that's just that's bad. You know what I mean? Well, the argument is, well, the defense should come getting. Well, the word defend, by definition, does not mean attack. It means to defend. It means to, st- to have a defense around a talk, you know, an object. And so that, that's my thing. That's always, well, that other teams should come out. Well, they, they shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to play a certain type of defense because, you know, you want, you're forcing me to. Like that. I should change my defense based off needs. You know, now in the NBA, it's it's defense is predicated because it's an entertainment. They don't want people standing in the lane and teams not able to score. They they want team the spacing and the spread out, and so it's 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 a bad thing. Like I, I said this last uh, last year in the clinic, as long as my paycheck isn't based off wins and losses, and most of the time in high school level it's not. I want to do what's best for kids and what's best for the game. Um, I don't try to go out. You know, every every team we schedule, I I go because I have a ton of respect for that pro- program or that coach. I want that. I want to play somebody that my kids have to you know quote unquote get up for every game. Not hey, I'm trying to get wins because it looks better on my resume. I mean, my resume is fine. I'm I'm right. I'm where I want to be at. Uh, my next move probably isn't in high school. You know, if anything, it's probably back down to junior high, so I can really enjoy teaching the game or you know maybe chase a you know, ch- a college opportunity or. Or who knows, but the guys that are telling you, well, you know, are against it, or, to me, are the guys that are in it for themselves, and it's an ego thing. And, you know, that that's one of the things I've learned so much about show and those guys is that the coaches make mistakes based off two things, panic and ego. You know, and when your ego gets in the way and you start thinking, I've got to win, you know, unless they've come and told you, hey, you've got to win or we're firing you, then I think you've got to do what's best for the game. I mean, that that's the way you honor the game is you play it the right way. Yes, I, I agree with that 100%. I think that even goes back to, you know, not really not really going off topic here, kind of staying within the same thing, but in terms of, like, ego is is the whole idea of that culture. You know, that's been a buzzword, with, you know, in programs. And, and I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about how, you know, culture sounds good of how if you're a coach, you're going to say you're going to do this, that, and another. And then if, you know, one of your better players doesn't do that, you know, you kind of bend a little bit because you want to win games. So then you become kind of that guy where it's like, are you going to stick to what you're saying or, or are you going to, you know, if, if a good player, you know, if one of your better players, you know, you need him to win, if he's going to go against what you're trying to preach and then eventually you bet you break, you know, it's like, are you, is that a good example for the other kids on the team? You know, and, and I think that's big because I see that a lot, unfortunately. You know, I talk to a lot of coaches and they'll tell me how they're going to start doing, you know, implementing this and if kids don't do that or, you know, this, they're going to, you know, not play. And then, you know, you get to the second, third, fourth game of the year and, and it's kind of like, well, that went out the window because I know that kid, you know, is 
doing this or doing that. So I think that's interesting in terms of the idea of like the ego and the winning. You know, I think winning, especially in youth basketball, it's like people care. You know what your fifth grade you know team's record is like. Who like does that really matter <laughs> in the scheme of things? I mean, sure, you got that- kids. You have kids quitting because their coaches are so mad. You know that they're not winning and they they start not to like to play anymore. And it's like. But don't worry, you went, you know, 15-0 and or, you know, whatever you did, but half your team, you know, isn't going to play beyond fifth grade. You know, to me, that's just sad. No, you're you're right on about that. Um, you know, I've been in places where, you know, the, the pee, what we call them peewee sports here, the peewee coach would come up to you and, you know, he would he would introduce himself. You know, hi, I'm Greg White. Last year we won our fifth grade league. Like, like they're trying to justify themselves to have a conversation. I'm like, that you don't need to do that. Number one, I don't care what your record was in fifth grade. Like I, I'm just thankful that you're spending time, you know, teaching kids to play. But it's a, I don't know. It's a, it's an epidemic in a lot of places. Like just the ego gets in the way of it. Coach, I think coach is another abused term. Um, you know, like I have a guy in our district that he says you're not a coach unless you're in class. You know, and I'm, I'm like, well, I mean, I get that, but I may not agree wholeheartedly with it. But I know that there are, there's a lot of good guys in the club scene that I met. Um, they really do do it the right way. And then there's a lot of guys in the, in the club scene. And it's, I'm unfortunately in high school and college that we all know aren't doing it the right way. And, and that's, that's that badge that, you know, we've got to protect. It's like, we got to protect, protect the game. We've got to protect the title coach. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think it was Gannon Baker. I was talking to Gannon Baker. He came on here and, and he said one of the funniest things ever. He said, I feel like nowadays, if you want to be a coach, go to Walmart and buy a whistle and a clipboard and you're a coach. And, yeah. and he said that, and it was like kind of in the moment, it was funny. And then I'll never forget, like later that day, I was I was thinking about it, and I'm like, wow, you know, he's right. I mean, you if you have a whistle and you know you have a clipboard and you have some plays that you you know you saw you know Duke run that you're trying to run with your with your fifth grade girls team, <laughs> you know, you're a coach, and it's like sure. that. It's a shame that that's true, but that's I mean, it's true, and, and it sucks. That's how it is. But I agree with you in terms of. You know, there are good coaches, you know, obviously out there that need to protect that, you know, that name and that badge because it means a lot, you know, to guys like us that truly want to help and, and are truly students of the game. I think that's really important. Well, I've heard this said before, and I've actually said it too. There's nothing with youth sports, there's nothing wrong with the youth, and there's nothing wrong with the sport. Um, you know, people want to throw out the everybody gets a trophy. Well, kids can't afford trophies, so who's buying it? You know, I mean, if you look at the root of everything wrong, with youth sports, it starts with somebody with a, older than a driver's license, um, and that's what that's what we've got to figure out a way to fix. I had a conversation with a lady about, you know, she was asking about what her son should be doing to get better, and I'm like, "Do you have a basketball?" Well, no. Well, then he doesn't. Then buy him a basketball. And if you have to tell him not to dribble in the house, then get a goal. And then if you have to tell him to come inside at night, it's too dark to be shooting. Now you've got a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I said, that doesn't cost anything with a trainer. That doesn't cost any of the uh, $200 tennis shoes. That, that is a basketball and a goal. You're looking at less than $150, $200 investment right there. Yep. I'm like, but we've got so many people that, oh, well, you know, it's a Google society. I can one click and I should have it that, you know, they'll go out and sign up for a, a travel team and sign up for a league or, and for a coach. And it's just like, let them be a kid out in the driveway. I mean, that's, that's where it starts, you know, and, her response is, well, you know, I'm just nervous to leave my kids outside. We'll sit outside with him. You know, I mean, that, you know, that's the thing. Like, there's there's no quick fix. Success doesn't happen overnight. And we've got to go back to, you know, grinding through the game. And, and the grind's another word I really don't like. But 
it's hours. It takes hours to be good at this game. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of them are boring. Uh, one of my best friends, his name's Brian Martin, is a great high school player, played Louisiana Tech, coached with me for a couple of years, and he's out in private business now. Brian, basketball's boring. You know, like the good ones, you cannot get bored being bored because it is a boring repetition sport to be good at it. And, um, you know, that's what you've probably seen on Twitter. All the, the guys will post all these crazy-looking drills. You know, like it, we got guys with cones on fire and dodging bullets <laughs> and everything else while you're, you know, keep your head up dribbling. Like, come on, man, just put a kid by themselves and let them fall in love with the game, and that's all it really takes. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love that, and I agree with that because I get – there's so many people that reach out to me, and, and they're always like, oh, why don't you put, like – like videos of your workouts on Instagram or on Twitter and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, do you guys want to see one dribble pull-ups? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to see, you know, some finishes around the rim? You know, n- not 360 reverses, but like same hand, same foot, you know, two-foot floaters. Do you want to see catch and shoot? Do you want to see coming off the pin downs? Like, no one wants to see that. <laughs> like, I'm not naive to that, but that's no, what that's... I'm doing. You know, I'm not doing, like you said, with the cone on fire and people throwing stuff at the player and they have to dot. Like, I'm not doing that. That's attractive and players view or not, or, yeah, players do, but people in general view that and they think that's cool, but I'm not doing that. And that's my number one thing when people ask me why I don't do it. I'm like, because it, it, it it's not interesting, you know, but... It's helping players get better. So as long as that is, you know, that's going on, then I'm doing my job. I don't need to. I don't need, you know, social media recognition for 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 what I'm doing. So I, I'm, I'm, I think that's funny that you brought that up because that's so true. It's sad too because some of the stuff you see, it's almost like, man. I mean, I don't know who believes this is actually. You wonder sometimes if the person putting them through the workout actually believes that, like that, that's helping at all. Sure. No, I, that's where like, you know, guys like yourself and trainers that I, that I trust and would send players to when a parent says, well, I've never seen any of their stuff. Good. It means it's work. It means they're working. It means they're actually training your son or daughter and not having time to, okay, let's get a good angle for this, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it's a, uh, it's one of those things, like, like you said, there, there's a place, there, there, there's a place for everything in our game. There's a place for trainers and that, that's for the kid that needs that extra push because He's bo- he's hit that boredom spot, and it's not that he's bored with it. He needs a fresh take from. This is how you can improve this, and it's still. And what he doesn't understand, it's still going to be boring. It's just a different voice and a different thing. You know, me and you could sit down and talk about all the new nuances of the game. We're probably going to do a lot of things the same, but there's going to be a few things we're going to do different, and that's fine mm-hmm. because that's what players need. Like a lot of guys will complain about summer coaches and and things and. and don't get me wrong. I've, I've been on both sides. I know it's bad. I know there's good. Um, I'm selective. You know, I love for my kids. Had a had a player last year play for Mocan. Drove three and a half hours to Kansas City um, every weekend. Him and his father. But I knew he's going to get better because that, that's a brand I can trust. You know, like if if you're just wanting to throw together a club because you're mad at because your son didn't make a team or you're mad at the high school coach because he's not starting. Like I, that's the guy I don't trust because it's an ego. It's an ego decision. You know. Mo- so that that's the thing. Anytime it comes to, and there, and I always tell people all the time, there's some bad high school situations too. I mean, it's it's not a it's become an ugly game at times, but I think it's still sat, you know salvageable and it's going to be fine and it's still the best game in the world to me. Um, and and I think it's going to get there, but it's everything has a has a place. It's up to the people involved to have conversation 
to clean it up and to make it work for everybody. That that's the biggest thing. And just like the letdown of every defense is no conversation. The letdown of our game will be when high school coaches and trainers and club coaches and the college game and the youth game, when everyone decides, you know what, I'm done talking and I'm going to do it my own way. That's when we're really going to run into a pretty problem. And so guys like show Walter have really put out the olive branch. Of, I mean, I guess what you would say or in trying to include everyone, USA basketball is doing a good job with the, um, youth license now for coaches and providing resources. Um, it, again, it's not, it's broke, but it's not destroyed. Yeah. I mean, there's, and the thing is, you know, the parts that are broke are actually, I think, clean themselves up. So it's, it's a good situation. Yeah, no. And, and I think the idea, like you said, when everyone's doing their own thing is when it's really going to get bad because something I've done with, with some high school kids that I work with throughout the season, if we go, you know, one or two days per week throughout the year, just to kind of, Nothing crazy, just to kind of keep their you know their skill set sharp and get some extra reps in outside of practices. I've tried to communicate with coaches. You know, I've I've asked coaches. You know, what is he or she gonna? You know, what what what, what positions are they gonna be in? You know, is he or she gonna be coming off? You know, pin downs, flares. They gonna have ball screen stuff. Like, what are they gonna do? So then we can work on that. Because something else I wanted to talk to you about is you know kind of practice and. And how you structure it, and how you plan it out, and and how you do a lot, you know, things along that line. So, you know, I understand that there's coaches that, and I'll find out. I'm not sure if you do or not. There's coaches that are try, that try to, you know, carve out x amount of time for like skill work, you know. But with that being said, you only have, you know, however long you practice. So, do you, you know, do you have time to incorporate that or not? And I, I know some coaches that, you know, they do, and some coaches they're like, listen. We got to get in offenses. We got to get in defenses. You know, we got to get in a lot of different things in, in the time that we have. So I think that that's important too in terms of you know my position, communicating with these coaches and and making sure you know I'm helping the player because why if I had a player in the gym, you know, and they were a primary ball handler, I don't want to spend too much time doing something that they're not going to do. You know, we want to put the ball in the player's hands and and maybe have them you know make some reads and and get shots off off ball screens, you know, shots off dribble handoffs, different things like that. And I think that's important. But kind of moving on to my next question to you would be, you know, do you find time in your practice for skill development? And, you know, and I guess the next layer of that would be, what does your practice look like? You know, like what goes into your planning and, and like how long? I, obviously, I'm sure it kind of depends on, you know, the time of the year and, you know, whatever the opponent, whatever it is, but kind of like give me like a general idea of what your practice would typically look like. Okay. Um, you know, we do incorporate our some skill work, and it kind of changes throughout the year for us based on – we feel like everything we do in practice is need-based, um, meaning if we're not – we're not afraid to, to scrap it, you know, middle of practice the day before, you know, we have things lined out. This is what we got to work on. Um, I think you hit on something that's important too. You know, I'm not a big set play guy. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, my, my feeling on that is if I teach my kids to play, I don't have to have very many plays. And so we do a lot of reads. Um, that's one of the big things for us is we want to make sure our guys know how to play. And so then they should be able to react on what they see from the defense. But going back 
to uh, your, your question, we do put skill work in. We break up. Um, we're lucky we have uh, two assistants in practice with me. So there's three of us. Um, some days they each have a group and I monitor. Some days I'll take a group with one of them. You know, we kind of just try to keep it fresh with the coaches too because, you know, guys that do the same thing every day kind of get in the rut and it, it makes it hard. And so it's always – I always like having my coaches really work uh, in practice because, you know, with, in the way the games are set up, they stand up and referee turns around, throwing a fit. And so we're uh, – we want to we work as much as we can to be as effective and as efficient in practice. Efficient's really become a big word for us. Um, you know, right, right amount of everything, right amount of time spent, nothing wasted. So our practice uh, normally – will be anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes, maybe 110 minutes. I mean, we rarely go two hours, uh, small breaks, constant movement. Um, you know, we're not a big lineup and condition team, um, you know, like some teams, because I, I'm not trying to beat you in a track meet or I'm not trying to outlast you. I'm trying to, to beat you in a basketball game. And so if we're going to run, we try to do as much as we can with a basketball, um, you know, transition offense, defense, it's a great place to spend your time conditioning. Yesterday, we had a uh, we had a ninth grade game here, and so we had to end practice early. And for example, we, we went sixty five minutes, and the kids were dead, you know. And then you know the first thing, oh, we're not in shape. Well, no, we're in shape. We just didn't stop for sixty five minutes. Um, you know, there was no dead ball. There was no timeout. There was no in between quarters. You know, it, if you were out of a drill, you had, that was your opportunity to go get a, go get a shot of water. If you weren't in, you were in the drill, and you were expected to be going. And that's kind of the pace we go with things is let's, let's get in, let's get out. Let's get, make sure we got better. And, um, you know, I've got friends that will practice two and a half hours. I'm, I get bored after 90 minutes. I mean, they're going to get mad or bored. And so we find ways to be really creative, use our space, uh, use our, our staff and our facility the best as we can. Like we don't want anyone standing around. If you're standing around, it's a learning lesson um, or getting a water. At no time do we just want to be, let's have five guys on the floor uh, for 45 minutes running five on those sets. You know, like I don't I don't see how that really helps us that much. So, and again, some guys do that, and that's great, and it works for them. That's awesome, too. But what we work on is the, de- the defense is going to dictate what we do, so we try to play as much five on five as possible. Um, you know, Tate's lock quote, I love Tate's, and I, I, I mean, I, I try to use his influence as much as possible, and he – he told us one summer at Snow Valley, if you're going to train, if you're going to fight in the Pacific, you got to train in the Pacific. And so, when we, you know, we're going to play five on five. So let's train five on five. And so, do the defense know what's coming? Sure, they do. I mean, they're we're teaching them same time. So for every action, we have a reaction. So they have to play honest. If they cheat, we we hit a back door, we hit a, a rescreen. And so it's that's our big thing. Our practice. Um, I'm finding myself right now at my point in my career more excited about practice and games um, just because I lo- I'm finding, again, referring back to Snow Valley, I, I finally feel like I learned to teach basketball, which sounds bad. I mean, I spent 10 years coaching, and then the last seven or last eight, you know, from Snow Valley, I actually feel like I can teach basketball now. Like, instead of just teaching you a play to run, I can teach you why we're running that play, how, how to affect it, what footwork. And uh, that that's really made basketball fun for me again. And so that that would be our practice plan. Um, I'll send you one you can share later and just have for yourself. You know, you can see the breakdown, post play on one end, guards on the other, a lot of three on three. Arkansas is one of the great states that allows us to coach our kids year round, uh, except for two weeks in the summer and three days at Christmas. 
So from August until October 15th this year, we never played five on five. We were strictly three on three or four on four. Uh, a lot of small group one-on-one time with coaches. Uh, October 15th rolled around. We started our five on five and we'll find, I mean, we'll obviously find out tomorrow and next week when we play another opponent, but like right now our footwork on our offense is great. You know, and I'm like, are we this bad defensively or are we this good offensively? And the answer is probably yes to both. We're, we're not, you know, we won't know until we find out. So that that's what makes practice fun for me. And that, that's kind of how we run our practice. Yeah, no, and and I'm happy you brought up the idea of three on three, because I, I I know that I'm a bit I'm a big fan of three on three like within workouts because I'm a I'm a big small sided game guy you know I like doing that because I I only believe you can drill them so long you know in my position you know definitely in terms of I mean you're coming to me for an extra you know you don't have to work with a guy like me so I try to add you know the three on three small sided games situational games stuff like that advantage games and. You know, I said there there was three reasons why I really, really like three-on-three. I said it's because I felt the reads were easier. You know, obviously you get more touches. And then I I said because most actions, you know, really typically involve, you know, two, three players anyway. So it's kind of nice. But, you know, what makes makes three-on-three attractive to you in terms of, you know, how it could help a player's overall development? I think um, think most – Mostly for me, uh, the spacing allows it to be fun. I, I wish I tried. Uh, I tried to make some changes here, and I mean, there was a system in place through our district that wasn't the best. You know, change is hard, and so. Uh, but I wanted to go away from anything below sixth grade and only play three on three uh, for for a lot of reasons because every kid gets to touch the basketball. The spacing allows everyone of every skill level to have a chance to score. Um, it, it's just fun to watch. And so we, you know, that kind of got vetoed and I'm hoping, you know, in the future I can get to it or get somewhere where I can do that. But it's uh three on three, I think is the key to a lot of things, a lot of teaching. Uh, we play three on three or four on four a lot, uh, just because of the space, like you said, small side. And, you know, one of the things we've kind of sold our guys on this is if you'll, if you get really good at this and allow us to work at this, there's a lot of teams on our schedule. We can't beat five on five. But if we can get them in three-on-three three situations, meaning the right spacing, the right action, we got a chance. And so uh, that, that's one of the things that's kind of become a foundation and part of our offense. It's main actions and and really kind of the spacing to allow that to happen. You know, a lot of people think, well, three-man action means two guys are just standing. And that happens sometimes. But there's also ways to be creative and have those guys involved in what some people call fake, you know, false motion or just to keep the people occupied. But we look at it as three on three being player A, B, and C. But the minute the ball goes to player D, well, now it can be player D, B, C, D. You know, it's not just these two guys go stand here because we need five to play. You know, we want to make it where we're, we have three on three actions and different angles and space and. I think Europeans are way ahead of us on that. You know, people, oh, well, we, why aren't they beating us? Well, they did, you know, and they're better players. We just have better athletes. And so it's, uh, for that, I believe that's all changing, you know, and, it, and it'll be, uh, it's a global game. People don't want to hear that, but it is. I mean, it's a global game. And, you know, if you look at just the individual NBA awards last year, I mean, I don't think there was an American player, American-born player that won one from rookie of the year through, you know, MVP. And so it's, but getting back on three on three, that's that's kind of where the basis. Like I watch Spain a ton; they do a lot of three man action. Um, 
FIBA three on three. If you don't follow that on Twitter or watch it, it's so it's so much fun. Uh, it's a great drill for players too. We use it in our practice, and it's great for conditioning. It's great for skill work, and, and again, it's just fun. I mean, at the root of this, this is a game. You know, like I think people treat basketball like it's a life or death. Um, it's a game. It's a game played by kids. It's I mean, in the NBA, it's a kid's game played by grown you know men that are incredible athletes and. But it's still a game, and there's got to be some fun to it. Yeah, no, I I love how the idea that you brought up fun because I think that's extremely important. I mean, I know that I I when I when I when I was younger and I played even you know through up through college, I loved it. I mean, I I truly like I truly enjoyed going to the gym and going to practice and going. I feel like nowadays, you know, you run into some kids that they feel like they almost have to, and whether or not that's influenced by you know parents or you know whatever it may be it could be whatever it is but I I just feel like you could tell at least in my my eyes you can tell if a player like loves to play you know and I I was talking to someone about that the other day and they were like how how do you you know how, how how do you know that you know maybe they're just happy or maybe and I'm like no like you can tell it, it you know watching a game that that player truly is having fun right now you know, at any level, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm a big fan of Kelsey Plum. You know, I yeah. loved I loved her at Washington. I love her now for Vegas. Um, I went to uh, watch Vegas play the Connecticut Sun at the Mohegan Sun uh, this this past year, and she truly looked like she was enjoying herself. Like in warmups, she was going hard. She was happy. She was jumping around. She was energetic. And I was like, see, that is a player right there that loves to play basketball. And and that's refreshing to me because it's like, okay, you know, there's a, there's other people out there that are you know truly love the game and, and they don't feel like they have to play or you know feel like they're getting pressure to play. So I think that's huge, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that you know, speaking of uh, Kelsey Plum, she was working out um, once their season ended. She came to Fayetteville to uh, see Coach Neighbors and Coach Schaefer, and so. I was talking to Nabes and he was like, Hey, you need to come down and watch this. So I got to go watch her work out in person. And it, you talk about like, I knew she was good, but I didn't know she was that good. And it, I got, I took my sons and they're both just like, my goodness, you know, like, you know, she's a, but she played with joy and she's a leader. And like, without knowing her, without knowing her, you wouldn't know how good she was because she doesn't carry herself like arrogant. It's just, she's having fun playing basketball. Then the skill takes over and you're like, okay, she's really good. But just her demeanor is that's just a kid that loves basketball or a young lady that loves basketball. And it's, it's pretty awesome to watch, but yeah, you're right on that. It's, you can tell the kids that dread playing almost, which is sad. Um, you know, whether that's because the ride home is going to be a lecture about all the shots they missed or what they, how many shots they didn't take or, the ones that, you know, play for a coach that makes it, you know, where it's life or death type, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's our thing is we always want to make sure our kids are having fun. Uh, yeah, we're going to play hard and we're trying to win and we're going to do things the right way. But when it's not fun for me, it's not fun for them. It's time for one of us to not be here anymore. Yep. Yep. I, yep. That, that's, that's a hundred percent true. I couldn't agree with that any, you know, anymore. It's, it's a shame that's how it is. And I, I think it was Damon Altizer. It was someone that was on here and, and we were talking about kind of the same thing. And he, he dropped some statistic where it was like X amount of kids stop playing sports after the age of whatever. And it was like crazy high. And, and it was like, 
man, like that's a shame. And, and the majority of the reason was because, like you just said, maybe the coach, you know, maybe the parents, you know, they just get fed up with it. Because I think, and something that I'm learning more, you know, working with players personally, and something that I have to get better at is every player that, you know, plays basketball doesn't want or or able, you know, whatever it is, either way, to play in college. And I think a lot of the times coaches, you know, treat it that way in terms of, okay, I'm going to push you super hard because, you know, we got to get you ready for college or get you ready, even high school. We got to get you ready for high school. And, you know, some kids, they don't want to, they don't have, you know, that aspiration. And I think it's tough, you know, as a coach to want to push that on a player when it's like that, they don't really want that. You know, maybe they just want to play, you know, up till eighth grade or, you know, up till their senior year in high school and then be done. You know, it's not, it's not something they want to do. And I feel like even personally, you know, I work with players and I truly, I tell people all the time, I truly find enjoyment like in players in watching players get better. And, you know, if we're working on a different footwork or a different, you know, move and they get it, like I, I truly am happy for them. And I'm not just saying that to say it. I, I really am. And I was working with a girl the other day and she's super athletic. She's a pretty good player. She's a junior and, and she just straight up told me, you know, I don't really want to play in college. You know, I want to have a good year this year and have a good year next year. But, you know, I, I she she plays other sports. She runs track. She's, you know, she, she's an athlete. And she's like, I've been getting a lot of looks from schools, you know, for track. She's like, but, you know, I want to keep working with you and, you know, be, be the best I could be, you know, for these next two years. And, like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, that that's not going to make me mad. Yeah. You know, or make me, oh, you know, but now, now I know, you know, I won't use the old, you know, try the old motivation of it's going to be different in college or it's going to be, you know, because she doesn't want to play in college. And that's, and that's fine. You know, I, and I think that's big in terms of, again, that, and that just goes back to, you know, knowing your players and having that relationship with players, which is a whole nother, you know, topic that I think is really important. No, you're right. You're absolutely right on that. But, Coach, I, I didn't want to take up too much of your time, but I got one more question for you, something i like to end with. Um, you know, what is one non-negotiable thing that, that you do in your everyday life that's outside of basketball? You know, obviously, you know, you're a coach, and, and you I put a lot of time, you know, into basketball, and you spend a lot of time in the gym. But what is just kind of one thing you do on a daily basis? It could be something small, something big, you know, whatever it is, something that you, that you kind of have to get done that is – you know, quote unquote, non-negotiable. Um, I, I think for me, that's probably going to be about my kids. Um, I have two sons. Um, uh, my oldest son Hayden is a sophomore in college, and that, that's you know that's a different life being four hours away. Um, my youngest son, Evan, is uh, a junior that plays for me, and so. You know, I, like I said, I grew up without a dad. Um, you know, coaches were kind of my father figure, uncles. And so for me, like that non-negotiable is being make sure I'm dad first. Um, that, that, and that was hard, like at times. Like when this school that I'm at opened, it was four years ago. And my son Hayden was going into his junior year. Uh, we were at a school I really liked. We, I'd just gone through a divorce. Um, my kids uh, live with me uh, most of the time. Um, during the school year, they're with me all the time. Um, and so when this job came open, I really wasn't interested in it because I liked where I was at. It was a comfortable place. Um, we were going to be really good. My, my kids both played there. They had friends there that liked it. And when this job opportunity came open, I talked to both kids first about taking it. And, 
you know, Hayden mainly because he was a junior and he said, no, I think we should do it. It'll be good for our family, be good for your career. Um, and so we took the job, meaning he was going to go from being a two-year starter to maybe playing six minutes a game in the next two years. And, and he made that sacrifice for us. And um, so that was one of the things for me is making making sure I was um, I was always going to be dad first. Now, you know, at, the, at school, I'm, I'm Coach White to the kid, to Hayden, to Evan. Um, we came up with a stop with a um, stop sign rule. When we get to the stop sign at the end of the drive, of the school drive, I'm, I'm dad. I don't bring up basketball anymore. Now, if they bring it up, all bets are off. I mean, I'm all in. But if I'm not allowed to talk about basketball, because it was, um, you know, with them living with just their dad, you know, there was nobody to, for them to, I wouldn't say be protected by, but, you know, like I, I know their parents, I know their coaches that, you know, they ride their kid at home about it. And so I had to really make sure that they felt that, our relationship is separate. You know, it's it's Coach White at the office, and, um, you know, it's Dad at home. And there's times, you know, I had with Evan this year already. I got him real hard in practice, and we get home, and I'm like, hey, you want to go to dinner? No, I'm not hungry. All right, we'll starve then, man. Like, <laughs> your dad's hungry. Now, Coach White probably still doesn't like you, but, you know, your dad's hungry. So so that that's probably my big thing um, is just making sure they know I'm their dad first, you know, I'm their coach second. And yeah, yeah, no, and, and I, I love that because I, when I was younger, I played for my dad and, and I know what that's like. And it was the same idea though, you know, in terms of I'm, I'm coach, you know, in the gym, but I'm dad at home. And it's funny that you brought up the idea of, you know, you're not bringing it up, you know, basketball, but when they bring it up, it's all bets off because that's how it was with me. My dad wouldn't say anything. And then I'd bring up one thing and it was like, ah, oh, I should have never said anything <laughs> because now, I mean, I started it. And he, <laughs> so now he's going to he's going to elaborate on what he thinks as he as he should, because I brought it up. But I think that's funny that, you know, he t- he would tell me the same thing. I won't talk about it, but but if you talk about it, you know, we're going to talk about it. And it was hard for me because, I mean, that's all I did. You know, basketball, you know, was my life is my life, whatever you want to say. And um you know, it would come up a lot, you know, whether at the dinner table or, you know, on the way home or even just randomly, you know, hanging out at the house, it would come up. And, you know, it was always interesting. And and I kind of wish that more people could understand, you know, what it's like to have that relationship in terms of, you know, dad being your coach and and player, you know, having your dad be the coach, because that relationship, it could go either way. You have the, I'm going to kiss your butt because you're my, you know, my son, or, I'm going to give you nothing but hell because you're my son. And I was nothing but hell. I would, you know, we would miss a layup and it would be my fault. <laughs> I'd be like, Dad, sure. I, I, I was at the top of the key. I didn't even have the ball. Yeah, but you should have thrown him a better, you know, pass so he could have caught it cleaner or, you know, wh- whatever it was. I mean, I, I got it bad and I was a point guard. So it was like a double whammy for me. But. I think that's funny in terms of that that relationship, but it is important to to be able to separate them. So I appreciate well, you sharing that. Yeah, I'll tell you this before we close. Like one of the things, um, you know, Hayden Hayden wants to go into coaching. I, he's too smart for it. I've told him to do something else, you know. But he made the comment, "Dad, that's the only life I know." And uh, and, that, and that was it bothered me at first, but then I realized, well, it's not really a bad thing for him to know because he, he's going to understand what it means to put others first. He's going to understand what servant leadership means. He's going to know how to take care of other people. Um, one thing he did tell me, you know, once his playing days were over was, hey, 
don't be as hard on Evan as you were on me. And I was like, what are you, I wasn't hard on you. And then I was, you know, and I've had his teammates say, you know, that year we played harder because, you know, we wanted you to coach us as hard as you coached Hayden. And, you know, he, Hayden allowed us so many things. Like I've tell people this, the success we've had here, a lot of it's based off him because he allowed me number one to take the job, his influence, his, you know, what he showed those teammates was, you know, it's okay to be coached hard. He's doing it because he loves you. And, and so that really changed, but, you know, people don't realize being a coach's kid, the pressure, um, you know, you know, like my, both, I'm six, four, um, the, my boy's mother is five, three, so they're barely going to make six foot probably. And, you know, that they grew up their entire life. When are you going to be as big as your dad, you know, and stuff like that. And then just, the pressure of being a good player because your dad's a coach. And I, I, I tell people just because your dad's a surgeon doesn't mean I want to hand you a scalpel and say, Hey, go to work. Like, I mean, it's, this is my vocation. It's not like a hereditary, you know, if, and I told him, if you don't even like basketball, that doesn't bother me. Like let's, that's not going to define who we are together. I mean, we're, you know, you, you might be coaches, coach White's kid in the community, but a lot of people probably don't want to know that, you know, and that's fine too. And so, being a coach's kid's hard. I mean, I've been blessed with two really good ones. Um, and that's, that's the part of my job. Probably the least favorite is the scrutiny they are under, but you know, it's, they've got to earn it. They have to earn their minutes. You know, that's the thing they've got to prove they can play because if not, then they're always just getting to play because his dad. And so that's, that's, it's hard being a coach's kid. I don't think people really take that into consideration. Um, but that, that's my main thing is making sure that people know I'm their dad first, you know, and I'm, I'm their coach second. Yeah, no, and and I love that in terms of like you said the pressure too, because even my dad was a was a really good player, you know, as well as a coach. So it was, you know, oh, are you gonna be as good as your dad, you know, growing up, and are you gonna be as good as, are you gonna score, you know, the points your dad scored, and are you gonna score more than? And it was like, I mean, I was like in like the fifth, sixth, seventh grade, and I'm looking at these people like. I just love to play basketball. I mean, I'm going to be as good as I can be because I love it, but, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to be better than my dad or, you know, sure. I, I don't know, and nor do I care. You know, what? do you think I care if I could go around telling people oh, I'm better than my dad? I mean, you think my dad cares? My dad doesn't care. You know, so right. I think I think that was that's funny. It's, like, funny now looking back on it because, you know, I went to a, a rival high school that he went to, so then when we used to go there in high school, I would have – I'd hear it from the student section about how, oh, your dad's better than you. And, you know, I heard it my entire life. And, and I just think that's funny because you don't know what that's like. Like you said, I wish I could explain and, and kind of show people and help them understand what that's like. But you, you can't unless you experience it. But I, I'm, 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 I'm grateful that I, you know, I was a coach's kid because I learned a ton and I continue to learn a ton. And, and I think that's, you know, there's pros and cons, but the cons definitely are, are there and and they're definitely prevalent. Sure, but we'll before no, I let you go, coach. Right. I I want I want you to tell people where to find you on social media. I know you you know you you try to be pretty active on Twitter and, and things like that. So before I let you go, kind of tell people where to find you. Yeah, uh, so on Twitter it's um, at Greg White three two is my Twitter handle. Um, you can send me a message there, or you can. Um, Email me at gwhite32 at att.net. And then I also have a blog that I'll, I'm not as active as I should be on it um, with season starting, but it's three from the corner.com. And I'll put a um, post about, 
about just being a dad coaching to some thoughts on offense, defense, anything kind of that gets on there. And so it's uh, it's kind of a, a way for me to empty out my head. And sometimes people agree, you know, I tell people that on Twitter, Twitter is a place for you to think out loud and hope somebody agrees with you. And uh, so I've kind of changed some of the things on there. You know, I used to, I wouldn't say go after people, but I was pretty animated if somebody said something I'd agree with. But, you know, now it's trying to spread that spread. Like, look, you know, I mean, I'm at a point in my life now, if you tell me two plus two is five, I'm going to say, hey, good work, you know, good job. And then I'll <laughs> let you figure it out later on. So I'm not going <laughs> to agree with everybody. I'm not going to disagree with everybody either. So that's uh, makes it fun. But yeah, it's a Twitter's an awesome place, man. It's a it's a coach's clinic if you choose to be or it's a nightmare if you choose to let it be that, too. And so it's uh, that, that's where I'm at. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, coach. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on here and talk to me and and uh, good luck this year. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ultimate Improvement Podcast. If you guys want to show your support and and be the first to know when new episodes are uploaded, I'd appreciate it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and and subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, Lastly, I'd really appreciate it if you guys would follow me on all social media. So my Twitter handle is at Anthony underscore Pew 2. And my Instagram is at Anthony Pew 2. And that is Pew, P-U-G-H. Thank you very much for your support. And we'll catch you in the next episode.